Welcome to the podcast of the Unitarian Universalist Area Church at First Parish in Sherborne. No matter who you are, who you love, we welcome you into our community of religious seekers. Please join us for our Sunday worship services at 10.30 a.m. More information can be found on our website at uuac.org or visit our Facebook page at Sherborne Unitarian Universalist. Today's reading is from Louise Erdich. Life will break you. Nobody can protect you from that. And living alone won't either, for solitude will also break you with its yearning. You have to love. You have to feel. It is the reason you are here on earth. You are here to risk your heart. You are here to be swallowed up. And when it happens that you are broken or betrayed or left or hurt or death brushes near, let yourself sit by an apple tree and listen to the apples falling all around you in heaps, wasting their sweetness. Tell yourself, you tasted as many as you could. So friends, here is our world, and singing um, happens still, and it's beautiful. Through it all, we try to keep our hearts tender, and we seek to keep our eyes soft in the midst of so much that wants us to be, to be hardened and cynical. And then we want to stay true and honest, because this is what you and I are about. We know there is just no answer but to, to love each other. We bear witness against destruction, and then we gather in community in person, in the building, and virtually to practice being the person that we're trying to be. We cannot do everything, but we can do something, and that something is never nothing. So as Leonard Cohen reminds us, ring the bells still can ring. Forget your perfect offering. There is a crack in everything and all of us. You might say with me, that is how the light gets in. Heather and I are sharing our words this morning, so we begin with Heather. In my second year of seminary, I was on an airplane between Israel and New York. I was coming back from a two-week seminary course in Israel and Palestine, and security in Tel Aviv had been intense, to say the least. They asked us about whether anyone had handled our luggage, insinuating not so subtly that they were on high alert for bomb threats. My group boarded the plane and settled into our seat, and as the plane took off, all the usual announcements were made. Food, safety, how to buy things duty-free, and then in the middle of the duty-free announcements, there was a giant crash, a flash of light, and the whole plane shook up and down several times. The announcement stopped abruptly. The captain came on the intercom and tersely told everyone, stay in their seats, everyone. And the flight attendant started rushing up and down the aisles. The whole plane was silent. I looked over at my best friend, Allison, who already hates flying at baseline, and I realized that she was going to be no comfort to me whatsoever. 
And the rest of my seminary classmates were making big, worried eyes at each other. And various things started going through my head. Some reassuring things, like, we aren't losing any altitude yet, and the oxygen masks haven't fallen down. And some less reassuring things, like, does the air still feel normal in here? Am I breathing normally? Am I hyperventilating? Or are we losing oxygen? And also some surprisingly calming things, like, everyone in my life knows that I love them. And even if the plane goes down and I die today at 24, I think I've lived my life well up to this point. Which was, to be honest, a comfort and a revelation in that moment. As it turned out, the plane had been struck by lightning. The captain got on about five minutes later and said, this was fairly normal, all systems were fine, and see us in New York. Have a good rest of the flight, everyone. Yeah, okay. To be clear, this was not an actual near-death experience, but it was a moment when I unexpectedly took stock of my life from, pun intended, a 20,000-foot view. And I reflect on it as a rare and precious gift now, because how often are we in the position of looking at our life in that way? As many of you know, I have had quite a bit of loss in my personal life. But as your minister also, I get a tender and honest and close-up view into what it is like to lose people. One of the greatest privileges in my ministry is the opportunity to be with you in these tender moments in your lives, in those moments right after you have lost someone, as we try to remember and hold those we have loved and lost close, and as we try to make meaning of the losses and the transitions in our lives. So today, as we contemplate what it means to live in the face of death, here are three things that I have learned from being close to death. Number one. Death gives life meaning. The fact of death forces us to contend with the fact that our lives are finite, and to remember that, at its best, death compels us to not take the time that we have for granted, to remember that long lives are not guaranteed. It is our mortality that has sparked some of the most important religious questions throughout time. Encountering death in both my personal and professional world has forced me to know on an intimate level that we are never promised time. Which leads to number two. Being cognizant of my own mortality forces me to ask tough and important questions of myself. You can't actually live as though you will never see people again or as if each day is your last. That is frankly, not an emotionally or relationally or financially or spiritually sustainable way to move through the world. But you can ask yourself from time to time, if I don't know how much time I have or how much time my loved ones have, is this the way I want to be living? Do the people I love know that I love them? Am I spending time on things that matter to me? Am I in relationship in ways that have integrity? Which means, do my actions match my values to the best of my ability? 
These are important questions to consider. And lesson number three, life is unpredictable. Loss is inevitable. Love is the balm. The world is a hard, hard place, my friends, and it is a beautiful place too. We lose people we love. We see oppression and fear and trauma and pain and loss all around us. There is so much we can't fix. Life is inevitable, life is unpredictable, and loss is inevitable. As podcaster and author Kate Bowler says, there are some things we can change and some things we can't. And it's okay that life isn't always getting better. We can have beauty and meaning, community and love, and we will need each other if we are going to tell the truth. Life is a chronic condition and there is no cure for being human. The only thing that we can do is to love one another as best we can through it all, because that love is what heals us. Nathan. So I was thinking about the service this week and I realized something that surprised me. Before I became a minister, I became a minister at 29 years old. Um, I had only been to one funeral in my whole life, right? It was for my grandmother, Grace, and she was my mom's mom. And she died, we called her mum, halfway through my tour in the Peace Corps in the Caribbean. And when her funeral, when this happened and the funeral was announced, I took, uh, I think, three planes and two overnights, one at an airport and one with a friend in Chicago. To get back in time, I surprised my family to get back in time for the wake so that I could take my place in the line of people as all these people came through to shake our hands and to just really kind of listen to the appreciation that all these people had for my grandmother, most of whom I didn't, I didn't know. And I felt then, and I, and I still feel it, how I wished I had heard the things that I heard about her and the impact that she had in her life as a professional, as a teacher, and as a friend, and as a, as a community member, how I wished I had like seen all of this and known about all of this about her before she died. More than her, I mean, she would come to these, um, our like Christmas, I have a huge family, like these Christmas gatherings. She's like, I just remember like just sort of elegantly walking in. She had this like big beehive hairdo that like throughout, like regardless of whether it was in fashion or not, she just kept it and it looked amazing. And she was graceful, like her name. But I didn't know her in a full way. Does this feel true to your experience sometimes? Her funeral had a way of holding her light up to her life, up to the light, like a prism. And do you know how when you, like, you do that, you can see all the colors across a room? That's how it was for her at that funeral. That's how it was for me 
And the more that I heard, the more that I wished I had seen more of her while there was still time. Now, since then, I have gone to a lot of funerals. Um, many, most, are for the ones that were here, people that we've loved. The only thing, you've heard me say this before, the only thing that I did in person until our first service outside in September was go to funerals. It's the only thing that I did in person. I've been to all of these funerals. And the thing that I am wondering about as I go to all these funerals and lead these memorial services, we call them celebrations of life, which is such a wonderful, wonderfully evocative and important phrase. I wonder how come we often wait for the funeral to say the things we most need to say. And more to the point, what would it be like if we didn't wait? All right, so now I want you to follow. Let's have a thought exercise together, okay? What would it be like if each of you in this room and each of you at home, you picked your day? You picked your day next Saturday. All right, you said, next Saturday, everyone's coming to the sanctuary in person or online. And then you get to pick the music that you want to have. What would you pick? What would you pick? Blue Boat Home. Van Morrison. Okay. Indigo Girls, I think that Heather would definitely pick that. Coltrane, Mozart, John Rutter. What would you pick? All right, so next you get to pick some readings that you really want to have. Would you go to the Bible? Would you pick out in the hymnal a Mary Oliver poem? Would you... I love, I love Billy, Billy Collins' poetry. Like, I would totally, that, that's, that's what I would pick. And then you get to invite four people from your life to talk about you. So you got a friend from childhood. You have a spouse or partner. Maybe you have a parent. You have a coworker. You have a child. And each gets the time while you're there to tell a story that none of the rest of us have heard about you. I'm not talking a roast, though it could be. But each of the stories, you know, the ones that keep getting told, they get longer and longer and longer and more embarrassing every time. And then maybe a family member gets up and says, says to you, now listen, you know how we ever really talked about that thing that happened? We never really closed the relationship around that thing that happened, that conflict. Could we talk about that? Could we have a real conversation? And you'd be there in a chair listening. 
and everyone gets to tell us all the things they appreciate about us. Because there's still time. And then we finish off with a prayer, and then we get to ring the bell, which is what we do here. A bell for every decade of your life. And then you get to ring it once more for the years ahead. And then you get to go out on a real barn burner of a song that you'd like, like I was thinking like you too. Still haven't found what I'm looking for, which we've done here, which was amazing. Um, amazing grace. For all that is our life that we're gonna hum to in a little bit. And then, because in this thought exercise, COVID isn't happening, okay? All right, you still with me? Then we get to all go downstairs to the fellowship hall and you get to stand right there as people come in for a big party and you stand in line as everyone gives you through a high five or they hug you and they tell you that they love you and they look forward to whatever comes next. And then you get to have at this, at this um, fellowship time, um, you can have punch if it's your thing, but you can also choose not to have punch. You could have like um, fondue. You could have like a 200 foot long sub sandwich. For those of you who are vegan and gluten intolerant, you can have gluten-free bread. It's up to you. Maybe you only have dessert. And then after this party, you get to go home and you go back to your bed and you sleep. And then tomorrow, friends, you get to wake up into the world. You get to wake up into your life and you get to lean into and soak up everything that you've heard Sounds like a good day, doesn't it? Why do we wait to say the things and do the things for the funeral that we most need to hear? The gospel, the word gospel is just another word for good news. That's all that it means. Here's my good news. Here's our good news. You know, we do not have to wait. I mean, I don't know if you can book the church just yet, But I commend you the practice of inviting people to say the things that you need to hear and you saying the things that they need to hear. The pandemic has wrought so very much on us and to us and upon us and between us. Some of you have lost just this fall. Parents, the Gaffney family lost their son-in-law, George, who was only in his early 30s. We have lost many church members, four, you saw them up on the screen, to age and also to COVID. It has been a time, and it remains to be a time. 
Some of you in this community are worried for your own health, have a terminal diagnosis. And what I want you to know is that we hold all of you, we hold all of you in that prism up to the light because we have beautiful light into this room. And we see your whole life and we see you for all of the dimensions that you offer. We celebrate the lives we have lost and, friends, we celebrate the lives that are still with us and that includes your own. So please, no waiting now. Sing your song, say the words, have the meal, give the high fives, share your love. So let me invite us to rise as we say amen together. Amen together. Amen.